Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Like I've had handwritten letters posted to me. One man sat down and decided to tell me in every interview. So he either went and found the interviews or Googled which ones I'd been on and corrected if I said words grammatically wrong in the sequence of my sentence. Yeah. And like a handwritten letter. Yeah. Like that's the type of stuff you get. Like it's crazy. Senator Lynn Rowan is not your average Irish politician. She looks different. She sounds different. She thinks different. And you don't need me to tell you that that's probably a good thing. Lynn uh, is from a very working class background in Dublin. Uh, She developed a drug addiction in her teens. She lost her virginity when she was 13. She became a mother when she was 15. And there are so many other aspects to Lynn's life that would be, let's say, unconventional when it comes to the average makeup of your average Shannon or your average doll. And that's what makes Lynn such an interesting and effective politician and indeed brilliant communicator. She represents a huge yet traditionally underrepresented part of Ireland. And she also shakes things up in government buildings and shines a light on some long-standing and previously accepted injustices that have arguably been allowed to last and fester, in my opinion, for far too long. So as you might expect, there are some great stories coming up in this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. But then I went over and I sat down in front of this politician. He turned around and he said to me, do you know what? People like you have never had to take responsibility for that in their lives. And people like you have never had to make a decision about anything. And I remember trying to contain my anger force because in my head I was going, people like me would absolutely upend him right now. So I'm trying to contain my outburst. They bust a load of people in from Tallet to Trinity into the lecture hall for the for the book launch. So you have like Michael McDowell here and then the lads up the back with their feet on the chair and the hoods up. And I was just like, this is my dream. You know, people would say to me, you're like, you're so aggressive. Like, you, you were, it looks like you were going to punch the head off someone and all. And I'm like, what? And they don't care what I'm saying. But the person, say, in a Sioux with a more kind of neutral accent or a different type of accent could have literally had their speech peppered with nothing but racism or misogyny or anything like that and nothing gets said. Lots more of Lynn's great stories, opinions and lots of laughs in this one coming up in just a few minutes' time. But first, but first, it is a very big week for one Leo Varadkar who inherits the Taoiseach's chair once more after two years waiting for his chance to pounce and re-emerge. Unbelievably, the Mario Rosenstock um, podcast, which has an innings with journalists and indeed government buildings, managed to hack into and gain access to Varadkar's voicemails. See you in court. Hi, you've reached the Taoiseach. The Taoiseach. <laughs> the chieftain. Uh, the main man. Uh, the big kahuna. The top V, the boss man, the C... Leo, get your arse in here now! Sorry, Pascal, I'll be there in a second. Leo! Just leave a message, gotta go. Uh, hi, Leo, uh, this is Michal Martin. Uh, sorry, you left behind a couple of things in your office, if you wouldn't mind uh, picking them up. There's a gone-off, uh, sort of a rancid, smashed avocado sandwich. Uh, it's, it's gone fetid. Uh, some sort of a toy unicorn on your desk. Can you pick them up, please, as soon as possible? Uh, thank you, go on. Boris Johnson here, congratulating you, Leo, on returning to power. Wonderful memories of us sharing 
both our respective countries. Uh, you know, wonderful times in Phoenix Park, Doyle, Aaron. Quick proposition to you, my good friend. Let's get the band back together. You took a break and came back willy-nilly, ipso facto, no problems at all. I have taken a break. I, too, can come back and unchar the Rishi Sunak debacle that presently exists in my country. We can do it, my friend. Leo, just begin to talk me up gradually, and suddenly I will fade into the power position that I currently do not occupy. Simon and Garfunkel, like a bridge over troubled water. Chumba wumba. Do it. Hello, Leo. This is uh, Jason um, calling from I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. We are just starting the process for next year. So thank you very much for your application. Um, we will sit down and review it. But, um, you know, it's very interesting. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, sorry, Leo. It's Michal again going forward. Uh, my apologies. Uh, there, there seems to be, um, I think I left behind something myself. If you see a dartboard behind uh, the desk, uh, the Mary Lou dartboard, uh, can you please drop it into me as soon as possible? If, if you want to have a few throws at it uh, uh, to while away the time if you're waiting, uh, that, that's fine at all. But please drop in the dartboard. It's, it's important for my mental health. Leo, it's Kylie. How are you? I just wanted to say a huge congratulations on becoming the tea, whatever it is. Um, also, Please stop ringing me. Honestly, it's getting embarrassing at this stage. Please leave me alone, Leo. And good luck to the new Taoiseach, Pascal Dunne. I mean, Leo Varadkar. <laughs> I actually firmly believe Pascal is the one with his hands on the reins of power. But anyway, uh, by the way, uh, if you enjoy uh, comedy on the Mario Rosenstock podcast, uh, do be advised that it is exclusive to this podcast. Uh, we have new, brand new uh, comedy every week, and we hope to put out a comedy smorgasbord, a collection of some of our best stuff over the uh, lethargic Christmas period. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, of course, it's always mariorosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all and I get back to about 95% of them. So do get in touch and do tell one other person, if you like this podcast, about this podcast. Just one other person. Just say, I've got one for you. Mario's podcast is good, if you like it. Okay, let's meet Lynn Ruan. She's already lived such an intense life and continues to do so as she uses her position as senator to try to affect some real change in Ireland. Um, there's no question Lynn is coming from a good place. Uh, you can't meet this person and not think that. There's no cynicism about her. It's just pure energy, dedication, and, an, and a desire to care in the community. Even if she wasn't a politician, that's what she wants to do. Um, and as I said earlier, Lynn is not your stereotypical Irish politician for all sorts of reasons. And that is where and why we started our conversation. You're the first senator on my podcast. I'm delighted. But of course, when you think of senators, you know, you think of, Oh my God, it's <laughs> an absolute pleasure to meet you, Lynn Ruan. Is Ruan Ruan? Ruan. Right. <laughs> Have you met him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he'd be Trinity panel as well, so... Trinity panel! Yes. Yes, we're, a, we're an odd bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many of them are in there? So there's three on the Trinity panel. So it yeah. used to be Ivana. Yeah. But then... Ivana Batchik. Yeah. Mm. So now, obviously, she's in the doll. Yeah. So then we had a by-election, which mm. now is Tom Clonan. Yes, Tom Clonan. Senator Tom Clonan. Yes. And he is the war 
uh, a he's, guy who was war correspondent. Yes. And military. Yes. Uh, military. Military background and disability activist as well. He's brilliant, actually. Yes. yes he's very good. Yeah. I actually listened to him about this stuff in Ukraine. He goes on Dunphy and he goes, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so you find out all about yeah, what, no, he's an what interesting Putin's, man. Intention, yeah. t- Putin's yeah. intentions are. Yeah. And I, I read in some of your biography. Thanks, thanks, by the way, for agreeing to do the next six podcasts with me. Because <laughs> you'd need that. Like. I'd need that. Because I've never met somebody who has lived such a life with being such a young woman. Yeah, yeah. Your life is, your life is full of event. Mm. Your life is from the time you were a tiny person. Mm. Um, now you see, you're giving me that face now because you think I'm going to go down in the direction of the trauma. The no, trauma. No, Joel I'm, Duffy I'm, here. Joel I'm, Duffy I'm, here. Tell me about the pain. <laughs> Tell me about the pain, Lynn. Lynn, 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 Lynn. You're on live line now. I want to get straight to the pain. When did you start in the drugs? <laughs> the heroin. The heroin. The heroin. The heroin. The heroin. The heroin. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's get this, let's get the, let's get the dark side done very, oh, really bad. So I don't want yeah. to go into the dark no, side quickly. Good. I want the laughs. Yeah. I want the laughs. I'm all well. right for the laughs. And I'm good because I remember I used to be sitting at home and I'd watch you on the telly and I'm like, why doesn't he do me? I'm so easy. I stand out in there. I said, I wonder is it because he thinks he might be accused of classism or, <laughs> or something. So he's only punching up. <laughs> I think you, sorry I think you said exactly the right thing did I yeah two things there one is um, I probably would be I'd be going I, I'd be accused of I'd be accused of classism and sexism right right now you're going now I do do yeah. Miriam and all that you do right yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I would be accused of um, I, th- I think you're right yeah but that hasn't stopped me. It's no. that, it's more that it's more that I haven't really done many in the Shannon. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's why I want you to go yeah. to the doll. So I'll do you then. <laughs> and I'm going to stay in the Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Just so I won't do you. No, no. I'm happy for I'm yeah. happy for you to do me. Now hang on. You're in the Shannon. You're in the Shannon. Yeah. And um, by the way, do you like being called senator? I do sometimes. Like the kids laugh at it. Now if my kids yeah. are in Leinster House and the ushers are going. Here you go, Senator. There you go. Mm. There's your post, Senator. Like the mm. kids are just like, would yeah. you ever like? What? I'm serious. If I was going into my local Texaco, right? <laughs> I go, I go. I'll have a curly whirly. I'll have a morrow bar. <laughs> I'll have a packet of Skittles, and then I say, "There you go." No, no, no. There you go, Senator. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good title, though, it's isn't it? Like brilliant. I mean, when you're it's like you feel like. You should be wearing a toga. Yes, it feels very grand. It is brilliant. It's yeah. better than T fucking D. TD, your deputy. Yeah. TD sounds like some fella you, yeah. s- you, sm- you close the door on. <laughs> Get out of it, you so- yeah. yeah, it sounds and like a nickname. Whereas senators, or oh, Senator, I'm very nice yeah. to see you. Yeah, there's a posh, poshness to there's it. Or a, something. There's some of the grandeur yeah. to it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you say you kind of don't want to become a TD. Is that I d- right? Not now. I mean, I mm. evaluate it as time mm. goes on, and I don't even know if I want to remain in politics. Mm. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't a career I Set out to, to have or well, why did you become a senator? Um, I think when I got elected in Trinity uh, to the president of the students' union, mm. um, it was kind of a big story at the time, you know, because like single mother from Tala, the headlines were all like, you know, ex drug user, single mother, mm. early school leaver, you know, all this kind of stuff. President of students' union, which would have been ordinarily middle class white. That's right. Uh, you know, private schooled bias. Sorry, good afternoon to you. My name is Joe Duffy. I was president of the students' union as well, and I'm not middle class or I'm white. Well, I don't. Know. I'm black. I don't know how. I don't know how many of the working class now want to see uh, Joe Duffy anymore you know I don't think uh, I don't think his roots sorry, are still are, sorry, <laughs> I don't think he's held on to sorry, his roots sorry my 350 grand a year is holding on to every root it can <laughs> I'm hanging off that tree with 400 so grand of bananas I think, I think he was president the year I was born yeah. or the year before 1984 yeah. around, around then he yeah. was and president. he's Bally Bally and you're kind of Bally Firmit as well I'm Tala Kilnardin and Tala did you move to no so my was dad was Bally Munn? No, we came. We originally were from Ballymun, yes. 
and then my dad grew up in the tenements on Usher's Quay and then when houses were built in Ballyferma mm. when my dad was around 15 they would have moved into yes. Ballyferma yes. then so my dad would have spent time in Ballyferma Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. listen, for, for, for my listeners, because I, I, there's so many different places I could go with with you, so I'll just take potluck. For my listeners, what areas of, what? how would you like to, what areas specifically do you, do you have you concentrated on to make, you know, to make your mark in, in politics in terms of making life better for people or whatever? What areas have you concentrated on? I think on? drugs policy has been mm. a big one. Well, it's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so what is, without, without, without getting too technical about it, what is Ireland's general drugs policy? Is it good? Could we change it? Mm. Or what? The drug policy is terrible. Okay, why? So it came in and around the 1970s mm. and it was on the back of racist America that was kind of bringing in drugs laws because of like, you know, the black jazz singers were like, you know, going to have interracial relationships with the stoned white man and, you know, it all developed in that kind of era. And then... Harry Anslinger and other kind of really big key people in America from a policy aspect kind of were calling the shots at a UN level mm. and they brought in a UN treaty in Ireland. So mm. we brought in the dr- drugs laws in Ireland mm. when there wasn't even a prevalence of drug use. Right. You know, so since then, since that act, we've just seen, I suppose, drug use and drug dependency increase, increase, Why? increase under prohibition. What, what is because it, it doesn't the, work. I mean, every yeah. society in the world uses substance. Yeah. Every society. Mm. There's not a society so that exists. It, 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 what, what aspect of the of the laws don't work about it? Uh, it shouldn't be criminalised. Yes. People shouldn't be criminalised for, for using drugs. For for, for minor offences. Minor possession. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this is the thing, isn't it? And this is the thing, for example, that's been happening in the United States mm. around now. The idea that minor, especially under Biden as well, yeah. that minor offences are beginning to be decriminalised in certain yes. states isn't that right yeah, and so he's, for example it's become widely available now that you can use cannabis or marijuana in many states in exactly the I mean and I visited Lisbon last week and I've been, been to Portland and yeah. other places where they have obviously decriminalised drugs and yeah. there hasn't been this big influx of people exactly. taking now drugs tell it's my just... listeners Lynn according to when you decriminalise drugs mm. like that is, the, is it generally then the results are good the results are good yeah. uh, there's a reduction if you look like say even at a European level and if you look to Portugal there's a reduction in HIV Mm. There's a reduction in stigma, a reduction in shame, a reduction in incarceration, mm. people being able to get on with their lives, not losing their jobs, not yeah. losing their homes, mm. their volunteering opportunities, all because they have a, a charge for a small amount of drugs in their yes. pocket. So like on a societal level, everything improves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. this was one of the main things you have yes. sought to change. And yeah. have you made any progress in that area? I have. Like, I mean, I worked in addiction for a long, long time. I still work in addiction in some sense and in a community setting. And um, the conversation has definitely peaked since I've been there mm. and added to other people's voices that were trying to kind of discuss it. And I think someone like me comes in and I talk about my own drug use. And yes. I think that that's unusual in the political sphere. Yes. I think if more politicians owned up to their drug use yes, we would start to see that actually this is not a big deal where it's mostly a class thing so people just it's like that only you know drug use exists in working class communities and it doesn't um, so for me I think what I've managed to do is to try and keep pulling that out into the open Yeah. So, and I think even to continue that today to pull it out into the yes. open I think we're all aware of the fact that Cocaine use among middle classes is 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 rampant to you know mm. a massive extent. I mm. mean, to the extent yeah. that it's just it's it's a so like you'd see politicians talking about oh young young people are being groomed in working class areas by gangsters and this that and the other and then you're kind of going, 
but actually like the clientele are you and they never attach themselves to you know they all want to talk about the black market and gangland and all of this mm. but they never attach themselves mm. to that mm. but that actually the professional class middle class anyone that uses cocaine mm. is part of that market of course it is, is part of that problem but it would be very much seen as a working class you know that okay. happens in them estates and they probably need to be kind okay. of joined so, together so a little bit more exactly so decriminalising minor possessions would be decriminalises the person yeah. Do you know? So the yeah. substance is still illegal under yes. decrim, yeah. um, but you're not and then, a criminal for and, use. Exactly. And then able to get on with your life and exactly. able to be unmarked and untainted by the penal code. Exactly. And it, 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 like a lot of communities are over policed. Mm. So you could have a, a young flit in my estate who has weed in his pocket and, yeah. is, and is being pulled over once a week. And yeah. then you could have a young flit in a, in a more affluent estate that will never, ever have to encounter a guard pulling him over, that's but has true. the same amount of weed. So it's a system that's extremely unfair. That's like, a, I think we learned in sociology actually I think they called it statistical discrimination yes um, so it's the idea that just because of the kind of person you are you will be discriminated against then. so for example the idea that um, um, when people are getting insurance for their cars they'll ask you what, what do you do for a living yeah. I'm a journalist right so you're an alcoholic <laughs> well the insurance will be 2000 a year you what do you do I'm an actor right sure you're a, you're a heroin addict and, a, and an alcoholic right you're, 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 um, your insurance will be 4000 a year what do you do I'm an accountant. Right, that's fine. You'll be 500 a year. Yeah, and now, and now they'll <laughs> have AI doing all of that. Do you know what I mean? They'll see your address come in on your exactly. car insurance and house now, insurance. Am I right in saying that one of, the other interesting, one of the things you're, other in, you're interested in as well yeah. is, is prisons in yes. general? I mean, you made a podcast called, yes. um, what was it, Conversations on the Margins? It was. And this was to do with giving prison, was finding out the real voices behind prisoners in prisons. Mm. This is related to what we're talking about. Mm. On a related note, I would say to you as well that Two of my most interesting guests that I've had in the whole podcast series, and I, and I mean this utterly sincerely, are um, two lads called the Two Norries. Yeah. Um, so I they came on my podcast, then I went down to Cork to be on their podcast, and they came to see me in the opera. So house. were they in the studio or out the back when you went down? I did their they, podcast when they were still out the back uh, in the housing estate. Oh no, in they're in their shed. studio. Ah, uh, Mario, yeah. we've gone all posh. Now. <laughs> Will you say hello to Lynn? You say hello or not? <laughs> Sorry, the lads are on the phone. They, 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 they knew you'd be on. She's absolutely fantastic, Mario. I told, I revealed my soul to you, Mario. Ask her to do the same. That's so definitely to, Timmy, isn't you it? Have to do that, <laughs> Timmy. Tim, you have to do that, don't you? Well, that was yeah, that. was actually James. <laughs> was it? It sounded more like Timmy. Well, he's not much good at impressions, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really loved talking to them mm. and we've, we've become I would say friends mm. and the other person I've had on my uh, podcast I, I, I jumped in, bumped into him at the airport there recently is Willa White yes he's a friend as well of mine. Yeah. yeah and Willa of course both of them have these extra, extreme stories mm. stories of being young um, coming from difficult backgrounds and then quickly getting into uh, drugs and then quickly getting into crime then having really low really low experiences and magnificently and fortunately finding a way I don't know through through a little bit of fortune a little bit of help a little bit of luck meeting the right people to rehabilitate themselves mm. 
Um, how was it for you? Yeah, like, and I think why um, interviews like that are stand out for podcasters as well is because the journey that someone goes on to get to where they got, uh, like the average person won't go through that type of turmoil, conflict, you know, examining right and wrong, examining your own negative behaviours, you know, with Will Al, like being in recovery and doing 12 step and the lads doing their recovery and meditation and not everybody does that level of work on themselves. Correct. So I think by the time someone sits down in front of you and talks about that, they're the best version they of are. people, you know, and they have that evaluation of Correct. themselves and it's honest, it's transparent. If nothing else, they're the fucking best interviewees. Yeah, they are because they they're, they won't evade anything. It's, it's a deep, honest conversation and I think my but podcast that, in the prison and yeah. brings that to the fore as well. And that's the other thing I loved about, to, I love talking to, to about you and, and Willa and, and the two Norries is it's the honesty. Mm. It's the willingness to go there. Well, I it's think the we, willingness yeah. to talk. Yeah. Well, I think we all know mm. that, you know, being secretive or keeping things in, yeah. even the most negative parts of mm. yourself, even the darkest parts of yourself, that that's yeah. how you stay with an unwellness or with a, a baggage you know what I mean yeah. so when you reveal yourself and I think that's what I try to do with yeah. the book was reveal people yourself people like me yeah, yeah. just reveal yourself because where do the names of the book come from people like me we were at Vincent Brown's uh, I was at Vincent Brown's retirement party and Vincent is a friend of mine and the Vincent Brown the Vincent Brown and uh, a politician who I won't name because he had a few drinks on him and he apologised afterwards. But we were sitting there and Rita Fagan, who's a community worker uh, from St. Michael's Estate, kind of started shouting up at Vincent how much she's going to miss him and stuff. And then uh, some kind of more kind of posher dude in the corner in a suit goes, shh, 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 and tried to shush her. Now, Vincent loves Rita, right? So we would be kind of like, you leave Rita alone. So in the whole midst of that then, like people were kind of getting a little bit annoyed because Vincent was giving his speech right but then I went over and I sat down on front of this politician I was like there's no need for that man to be speaking to Rita like that like it's ridiculous and he turned around and he said to me do you know what people like you have never had to take a responsi- responsibility for that in your lives and people like you have never had to make a decision about anything and I remember sitting there going, this that's all we do all day long in our communities is have to make decisions, you know, about resources, how to live, how to survive, you know, how to not get arrested. <laughs> all those things, like yeah, big yeah. decisions. And uh, he just kept saying the phrase, people like you. Yeah. And I remember trying to contain my anger force because mm. in my head I was going, people like me would absolutely upend him right now. So I'm trying to contain my outburst. Yes. And I left that night and I went home and I said to myself, do you know what, that's what I'm going to call the big book people mm. like me very good so I'm going to say I'm going to go I'm going to show you what people like me are mm. who we are and how inherently good and how we look after each other and even with all the things that people might think are wrong about some of our communities is I actually wouldn't change any of us for the world like do you know what I mean it's mm. it's me tribe like you know so I was like I'll just put it all just put it all in the book so that's where the name came from I'm sorry this sounds like this is your life this this pro, this, this podcast is this like this is your life because you wouldn't believe who's on the line <laughs> Guess it's El Vinny, isn't he? It is. Say hello to him. <laughs> How are you, Vincent? Hello, hello, Len. Len, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to talk to you again. You don't mind if I give you my dirty eyes, do you? <laughs> oh yeah. He's on WhatsApp. You see, we can see him. He's on WhatsApp on the FaceTime. See his eyes, Lynn. <laughs> I do. I remember the first time that was eyes looked at me. He was doing a can budget session in Fatima, and I was like, Oh Jesus, I'm next. He's some man, though, isn't he? <laughs> 
He's amazing. We yeah, still I meet, love him. We still meet once a year. You're probably too young, but I used to do all these sketches on his TV programme. Did you? Yeah, I used to do all these right. political sketches yeah. on his TV where I used to play Willie O'Dea. Okay, very and, good. Um, all, and all the all the different characters. And yeah. I played him, Yeah, he's of course, a, He's well. a smart, smart man. He is, but he's a... And he cares. He cares. And, you know... Um, Vincent, I know you're. All, I know you're still on the line. What's what's the thing you're always going on about? People call people say that Ireland is a poor country. Ireland is not a poor country. <laughs> Ireland is one of the richest countries in the OECD. I I I cannot understand. And hopefully Lynn will go in there and beat the shite out of them. But I cannot understand how they never have the money for this. Oh, where we get the money? Where we get the money? Where we get the money? They're, they're the richest fucking country in the world. <laughs> exactly. See, he he's goes, not wrong. No, he's not. And he's he's brilliant about travellers' rights as well. Mm. And. He, I've always found because I, I was quite, I've been quite, quite close with him. I've always found he's a real ally of women. He is a real ally of women, and that's why with Rita Fagan, with the book and all, we mm. knew that he loves her having a vice. Like you know, he w- used to invite community workers and female community workers, especially onto the Tonight Show, which doesn't happen. We didn't, we don't have that type of platform, and he really made sure that there was great female representation from working class areas and from traveller backgrounds. You know, he's a, he's we we meet, we try and meet once a year still, and in when he was reviewing my book for me, and he launched my book in Trinity, and he opened oh, he? the book. It was actually very fun right yeah. so uh, my friend an amazing traveller family from Tala that introduced like the football club and all in my estate mm. uh, also run buses and they bust a load of people in from Tala to Trinity into the lecture hall for the for the book lunch yeah. so you have like Michael McDowell here and yeah. then the lads up the back with their feet on the chair and the hoods up and I was just like this is my dream this is just like how society should be you know the mixture of just all different types of life yes. and Vincent opened it up and he just said and he introduced me and it's like 400 people in the room and he says, you must be the only person who robbed cars, sold drugs, took drugs, had kids at 15 and managed to get herself elected to one of the highest offices. And then he says, I think it's because you're Trinity social conscience. <laughs> I was like, Thanks for the compliment. Yeah. So he thinks I'm Trinity social co- social conscience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and he's, as I say, he's a real ally of women. He is. And one of the things I was just, among the men, billions of things I read about you was just a little article in the mirror. And um, it was when we were, we were both, we were both awarded with awards at mm. the podcast award. I won an award and you won an award at the Podcast Awards. And when you um, were pictured um, in your award, you kind of did a saucy pose mm. and you were wearing a short little miniskirt yeah. and um, you sort of bent over and did a saucy pose and like, you know, messing. And I, I, I said, some people were giving out, going, yeah. you know, you call yourself a representative <laughs> of the women. How dare you, you dirty slut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, filthy old slut. And, and this raises an interesting point of how... Um, you know, we, we, we've achieved T- LGBTQI rights in this country. Um, we're trying to address the gender imbalance in terms of pay and, 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 and even rights and, and stuff. But really, there's still a kind of an inherent sort of innate, unconscious bias misogyny that, listen, let's face it, a lot of us have. Mm. And that is, we ex- still expect women to behave in a certain way. Mm. A man can get an award, bend over, stick his tongue out, be lascivious and everything, and everybody will go, hey, he's a bit of a jack the lad. But a woman is expected to pick up her award and still look demure mm. and thanks very much. I'm far and from demure. No, but you know what I mean? <laughs> and that, and that the that. idea that she got the award yeah. is the gender equalising thing. Yeah. So she has to then 
go back and be the kind of woman we expect. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's a class element as well with some women. as well. So like, if you look at the likes of kind of stuff to say Eileen Flynn and myself would get and she's a senator who's a, a traveller the first Irish traveller in the Senate and if you look at the kind of vitriol that comes to us it, yeah. it is slightly different women get it in general yeah. but like they'll try and comment on our educational attainment as well like, yeah. so they'll say that's no type of decorum or you, like they try and say we've, we can't make a point or you mm. are incoherent mm. and I'm like I know I know how incoherent I am mm-hmm. in the work that mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. but they come at us with the female element and the social class so they think what about this person might think what about this woman might make her think she's inferior to us mm. so it's like got that kind of class element to it as well yeah, and we yeah. kind of see that a lot when we do anything but it just makes me do it more I'm the most defiant person that yeah. the country was well, will ever have to meet I, because I will never stop exactly but what I'm know? trying to get at is I'm tr- what I'm trying to get at is I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to get at the idea that if if you want you know if you want real gender equality mm. right and th- this goes to disability as well and all sorts mm. of areas you know women will will act the way they bloody well want, want. to act thank you very much and mm. and so but we are trying to people like you are breaking that apart a bit yeah. and I'll tell you who else is kind of breaking it apart a bit and I'll try and explain is you know the podcast Joanne and Vogue yes that my therapist goes yes to now Joanne and Vogue is ostensibly two uh, girls. Uh, over, we're overhearing the yeah. conversation between them. A lot of it's quite lascivious and a bit dirty and a bit smutty, mm. right? And they're doing exactly what a couple of blokes would have done back in the 80s, mm. you know? And Joanna's there going, you know your man, I'd fucking ride the hell off him, would you? Well, look, you can't say that, uh, Joanne. <laughs> or, uh, you know, he's like, fucking hell, your man is all right. I fucking love firemen. I'd fucking ride them all. And what is that? It's just, it's basically going, I'm a woman, I can fucking talk lasciviously if I want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's that thing around like people being able to just be individuals as well, even beyond that gender stuff. People are very concerned about what other people do, like overly concerned about what other people do. And I mean, I know it's kind of a bit cliche to say it, but it is a reflection on themselves. Yeah. You know, because when I look at what other people do, now I might look and go, oh, geez, that's a bit mad, in it? But I just get on with my day. I just say it in my head yeah. and move on. But the amount of people that, like I've had handwritten letters posted to me one man sat down and decided to uh, tell me in every interview so he either went and found the interviews or googled which ones I'd been on and corrected if I said words grammatically wrong in the sequence of my sentence and like a handwritten letter like that's the type of stuff you get like it's crazy pompous pedantic prick yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There's, and that are, sounds very grammatically correct, Mario. It is, and it's alliterative <laughs> as well. <laughs> it's alliterative as well. So Willa White, the two Norries, and um, and you had a daughter at fifteen. I did. Yeah, my boy is fifteen. My yes. Dash, he's fifteen, and I'm just he's like God. He, Dash, if you're listening, I'm sorry for saying this, but he's just so young. Yeah. And he's my little boy. Oh. Well, you, well and, that's right. Like, and, and yeah. you had a child yeah. at 15. Jordan? Jordan. I thought I was super mature and I thought, like I wasn't, I was mm. just, but I had no ability to assess risk at the time. So I did a somewhat just push on through all of that because yeah. I didn't have the capacity to go, yeah. this is really big. You lost your virginity at 15, or 13. Yes. And that's kind of, some people think, oh God, that's, that's like, uh, that's like astonishing. Yes. But it isn't. No. Because that's happening in, that 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 has been happening in middle class schools, if you yeah. like to use the inverted commas, yeah. for 30, 40, 50 years as well. Yeah, I've written a film that will hopefully go into production uh, going into next year, but it's all based in the 90s and it's about sex between uh, young teenagers. Now, we probably get people that are 18, 
to play the roles mm. that look a bit younger but it's trying to unpack that kind of peer now that's very, it's very funny film as How well there's a huge amount of working class humour in it yeah. so it has that right amount of entertainment and fun while also having those hard hitting conversations that young people are having sex on, tell, uh, me, oh, tell me more, you know? a little bit more about that, that, that world what are you talking about so like you know there's there's young men are often kind of forced into this position where uh, sex is competitive so it's you know how many girls can yep. you get how many girls can uh, you take their virginity she's a virgin I yep. bet you I can Pop get her cherry. I bet you I can get her before you can get her right. and that stuff is being seeped in into that uh, into their environment at a very yeah. young age and I think then when they're older they'll be held accountable for that and it's kind of a bit sad like because they yeah. were just kids when those ideas were implanted I think mm. it ebbs and flows for different groups and different at different times I mean some of my friends didn't lose their virginity at 13 so it's mm. not that everyone is making yes. the same decisions and some people are more shy than others and some people are like I don't really want to but I'll just go along with it because I like him or he might move on to the next girl you know when you're, t- you're yeah. 14 you're just making decisions yeah. based on the capacity of your own yeah. development at yeah. 14 yeah. you know so and I think that happens and people make different decisions and, and, and different what about, choices. Um, have you thought about the the influence of pornography on, on your subject matter there? Yes. The idea that like, um, I suppose, I'll, I'll try and say what I can think about it. Um, the idea that boys and girls, they're, you know, they're, they're only, uh, one of their main um, outlets to see sexual behaviour is porn, which mm. is completely stylized and it's completely false. It's completely yeah, and it's very and it's very based on uh, male pleasure. It's based on yeah. women being as submissive and that it's all very enjoyable and everybody loves yeah. it. And from in, in a lot of cases, women won't actually enjoy sex during their teenage years. Yeah. It's actually something that might come much later on. Like I mean, there is a move I think as well towards like uh, sex. There's people that are talking about like sex positive porn that takes into account yes. different genders, different you know different needs different uh, types of pleasure all that no. kind of stuff I don't know though if that's a genre that people are kind of seeking out when they ever look when they look for porn Why don't you like the word hope? Well I think it's how the, how words are used and how they become real normal even resilience is one that I don't like hope resilience even trauma now people are using trauma in a way without really understanding what trauma is so somebody some people will have normal life events and go oh my god I've so much trauma from mm. that and we're like well some things are just life events where mm. we have to you know adapt process to them. process mm. and da, da 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 and then there's people that are grown up with experiencing real real trauma in relation to sexual violence in relation to mm. domestic violence in relation to poverty all these things mm. that will add to the experiences so I think sometimes we're using words now and they will begin to lose meaning and I think sometimes from a community um, like mine and around the country or minority groups where you only have hope like it becomes like it's like when opium became the religion of the poor and you know religion became the, the opium of the poor as well Like and it's like all these things and it's like well what good is it on its own yeah. What good is it if we only have hope? That was that's the thing that will keep us alive mm. in the hope that something else is going I to happen. I know what you're saying. Do you know what do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um do you remember during the pandemic people would come out onto the steps and go and for the for the for the they <laughs> Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Let's just cheer all the nurses, shall we? They're doing such a good job on the front line. Send us a leading reward. Let's hear you. Go on. Go on. And you're going, is that all you've got? <laughs> yeah. A clap. A clap. And that yeah. reminds me of hope. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. 
If you want to care about people, Make do something. Action. Action it. Yeah. Action it. Yeah. And I think that's maybe yeah. what you're about. Yeah. So you and say, I, like fuck I, hope, let's yeah, action it. Yeah. And it's like, of course, hope is a nice thing that might keep, but it's also used as a way to keep people in situations. Do you know what I mean? Without mm. actually revolting. Because if they always have hope, they think yeah. something's going to change. So yeah. they don't revolt. Yeah. They don't then kick up and run against you and That's start right. marching down governments because they're all stuck That's in the right. hope. Yeah, you know? some, there's a lot of strikes going on over in England at the yeah. moment and in the, in the United Kingdom in general. Yeah. And the whole country's kind of been brought to its knees. And... You know, you have this constant now debate in the UK going, you know, sort of kind of half conservatives would be going, you can't bring down our country with your terrible demands. The People need to go to work. People need the trains. We need to have nurses in hospitals. And the nurses are going, look, dudes, we are getting completely underpaid for our situation. And our only ask, our only the only thing available to us is to strike. And. People kind of go, you're striking and then they're, they're, they're going, but you're bringing the country down and, mm. you know, we're, we're going to stop you striking. We're going to take away your right to strike, are you? And people go, you can't do that. You can't stop all the people on the roads or stop the trains. That's wrong. And people forget that, like when women were fighting for their right to the vote, women threw themselves under horses, killed themselves. Women became violent. When people were fighting for civil rights in America, People became disobedient. And I think we need to remember that there is, a, there is a place in our society, not that I'm encouraging anarchy or violence, folks, but there is a place in our society for civil disobedience mm. based on the idea that nobody's moving the needle here. So somebody's got to do something. Mm. So, like, do, do you get me? I do, and I agree. Um, so, like, when when you don't have the power to say increase the wages, you know, fix the situation for the railway workers, the train drivers, all these different things, if you are the one on the receiving end of that, that you can't actually change it. Sometimes the only power you have is disruption. Yes. So power looks different. So within Leinster House, power is protected by middle class. They're in the seats. They're all friends. They all know each other. They're all around the table. And all that kind of stuff, and that's their power. They're power is that it's always existed within their reach. So those outside of that have to find other ways to manifest yeah. power into an action. And that often is disruption. It's, you know, causing havoc. It's, yeah. you know, stopping the roads, you know, and people might not always agree with the mm. consequence of that. But mm. I mean, it's like clapping. Like, I mean, what if they all came out and just clapped for a wage yeah. increase? Like, that's not going to no. do anything. No. So you have to cause that disruption. That put bread on the table. And it is going to put people out. I must say, I'm but, very impressed with this guy over in England, Mick Lynch, um, yeah. the RMT leader. You know, he's he's a tremendous communicator. Mm. So he, he he doesn't let the side down. No. They're all terrified of him. Yeah. And he talks like that. So yeah. I know, which right? is a bonus. So it's a bonus <laughs> because he talks like that, but he's cleverer than you, you fuck. Yeah, and the thing is, he will round up people who sound like him yeah. and will start listening to him. Like, my, the first person that inspired me was a man called Dr. John Bissett, right? Now, he doesn't like putting doctor on the front, so I just do it anyway. But he's from Dolphins Barn, grew up in Dolphins Barn, you know, uh, has a PhD, is one of the most articulate, intelligent men I ever met. And then he's just from the barn. Mm. And that inspired me. Do you know what I mean? So when you have the likes of Mick Lynch, even beyond the very principled approach and the union stuff, just having his vice. Being smart. 
it's it being smart, showing that like smartness is not associated with Correct. an accent and having more of that on TV Correct. actually does help and with they, equalising they, they things. They call it forelock tugging when yeah. forelock tugging is the idea that you, you, you doff the cap to somebody when you hear their accent. So somebody that sounds like this, well, of course, you know, it doesn't really matter what I'm saying because whatever I say, it could be total bullshit, but you'll just go, of course, he's right because he's educated. Yeah, But I get that in the chamber. Exactly. So somebody could have real racist connotations mm. in a speech just before me and nobody even stores around. Yeah. And I get exercised. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm naturally like, you know, when I'm you loud. You, you, you raise your voice. I raise my yeah. voice. I'm, my working class accent comes mm-hmm. in even stronger if yeah. I'm really passionate about something and it gets louder. And it's and then it's it's like, you know, people would say to me, you're like, you're so aggressive. Mm. Like, you, you are, it looks like you were going to punch the head off someone mm. and all. And I'm like, mm. what? Mm. And they don't care what I'm saying. Mm. But the person, say, in a Sioux with a more kind of neutral accent or a different type of accent could have literally mm. had their speech peppered with nothing but racism or misogyny or yes. anything like that and nothing gets said. Yeah. Are you surprised um, by the amount maybe you have been able to have your voice heard and get done? Is your experience in politics not as bad as you thought it would be? Is it surprisingly good? Do you like certain politicians do you feel that yeah. there are good politicians in there maybe it, it is it is good I think I'm very privileged in the amount of uh, access I've had to, yeah. to get me message across I think everyone is inherently good but I think people are shaped by their circumstances and their environments and sometimes it's hard to push them out of that comfort so I think ultimately everyone is good I kind of am quite <laughs> optimistic about human nature in, in a general sense mm. you know and but I think people do need to be held accountable when their bias or their lack of understanding of their impact on other communities needs to be uh, called out as well. But I don't think that I don't think there's necessarily this kind of binary good and, and bad person. I think sometimes good people are making terrible decisions. Do you know, like if you look at policy, like if you look at housing and policy, not being able to admit that a certain policy doesn't work and then mm. going, we need to we need yeah. to do, do this differently. Like they're very bad decisions. Do you know, like yeah. they're very bad decisions. And they're very bad admitting that they're very bad at admitting that things haven't worked that exactly. something doesn't work yeah the you most know, the intelligent idea- person the most a, a person that really wants to create change and be a leader like be a political leader or be a, a societal change maker has to be able to admit when they got it wrong yeah. or else they're not a leader not only when they got it wrong Lynn but you know this famous insult that politicians give to, give to each other ah he's doing a U-turn yeah. Well, what clever person doesn't do a U-turn exactly. when they realise the facts have changed? Exactly. You've changed your mind. Yes, I've changed my fucking mind. Yes. Do you know why? Because the thing has changed. Yeah. Or you've you've developed a new understanding and the evidence yes. has changed or yes. your perspective has changed. I think everybody should have to study philosophy right from mm. like school age. You know, in terms of logic, uh, reasoning, critical thinking, mm. being able to do all those, I think as a skill space, yeah. a lot of us don't have that. And I think bringing philosophy right back to an earlier stage yeah. in the school process will actually help people have that better ability to change. More calls, mind. more calls coming in. You're very popular. Oh, go on. More calls coming in. Guess who's on the line? Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue. Say hello, Pascal. <laughs> How are you, Pascal? Hello there, Lynn. Absolutely lovely to talk to you. And may I say, I've been really, really interested in what you said about the inner city accent and the working class accent. Now, Lynn, you do know where I come from, don't you? <laughs> don't you? I don't. Actually. Say the word. <laughs> Dublin C. Begins with B. Ballymun. I'm from the Ballyer. He is not Ballyfermie. No, Ballymun. 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 I was Ballymun, and I know you think I sound posh, but I'll tell you, 
When I'm behind closed doors with Leo, I have an alter ego. He's called Ballymun Pascal. <laughs> and he sounds a bit like this. Leo, Leo is beside me here. Say hello to Leo as well. How are you, Leo? Hi, Lynn. We're, we're really enjoying the, the podcast. Uh, Pascal is telling you about Ballymun Pascal, is he? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So when Leo's asking me to do something like make a stupid fucking video or a YouTube <laughs> or something... <laughs> That's right, yeah. I just go, get that fucking yoke out of your hand or I'll be dug out of you. Do you see that? <laughs> I would love to see that, Pascal. No, I can turn on you yeah. straight away. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't he? Thanks, yes. Pascal. You're welcome, Mario. Lovely guy. David Norris is on the phone again. Okay. He wants to say a word. Say hello to David. How are you, David? Hello. Wonderful to talk to you. Do you know, Lynn? I have an inner city accent. Have you ever heard me do it? I have. Have you? <laughs> I learned it from James Joyce <laughs> and Ulysses. Well, go on out Mrs. Flynn, yeah. Isn't he brilliant? He, he is brilliant. Yeah, now, sometimes I'd be walking across the canteen and he will fling an owl inner city accent yeah. across the room at me. So, Oh, you've heard have you heard him do that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah that's, you do know that? I do know that. Uh, he's brilliant yeah, at it. Yeah. yeah. Two, another two things. Um... The, the, the dress code oh the dress code like I mean there wasn't one I suppose like I mean I did get looked at I remember in the beginning realising that like like now obviously I'm in, I'm in a blazer and a pair of jeans but like I've often I've often wore a tracksuit or I've wore runners and I kind of I get up in the morning and I dress myself based on what's washed and ironed mm. like I have no desire to think about what I wear so that it's presentable for yeah. someone else's for them to receive me in a certain way, yeah. you know. So I just dress how yeah. I dress every day. Yeah. And it did take a bit of push on my behalf in the beginning to not, you know, I did feel like I stood out at first in the beginning when I wore runners and stuff. But actually, I think in the last six, seven years in Leinster House, there's a lot more people wearing runners now. Yeah, they're all Mick Wallace. <laughs> they're not, actually. <laughs> they're not. I mean, I've seen Regina Doherty in runners. I've seen Aon O'Reardon in runners. Sorry, um, he's on the phone again. It's Leo. I'm wearing my Jordans every second. <laughs> you know, I'm torn, I'm teaching again. You know. <laughs> well, Saturday. Absolutely. Well, no, this is pre-recorded. All right. You idiot. <laughs> I'm Taoiseach in my Jordans. Okay. I would love the Taoiseach to Taoiseach in Jordans. That's it. Yeah. Good one, yeah. Thanks, million, Lynn. <laughs> um. By the way, Lynn, will you run? For Finn the Gale in the doll. I know. <laughs> Fuck off! If Pascal Ballymun came out, I might at least work Pascal, more. Ballymun Pascal came out, I might work a little bit more yeah, with him. Yeah, it sounds to me like you you haven't given up. Far from it. You 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 because I asked you was were you encouraged? So like you feel feels to me that you're making some form of progress in there. Mm. I am, you, I, but, yeah. but I'm also trying to bring creativity in, into it as well. So I could sit in there and just do the senator's role and be in the chamber. Yeah. And I have I work very hard on legislation. I'm very good when it comes to amendments and stuff, and mm. I'm very good at developing reports and the committees. And I work really hard on all of that. But I make a lot of time to try and work creatively in communities as well. Yeah. Because I don't want to be the only vice. Uh, sometimes so you don't want just to be in the Shannon. You actually want to be on the ground. On the ground too. So well, I yeah. do the stuff yeah, and yeah. like the podcast being one or like tomorrow I'll bring another team of politicians in to play a football match in Mount Dry Prison or mm. I'll bring a team out to town. Are you always play. on? Yeah. Are you? <laughs> no, I'm good actually. I read a lot. So I'm good in the evenings at like reading or watching something on Netflix. But what would you like to watch on Netflix? What's typical? Um, well, at the minute, I am watching, um, not actually on Netflix, I'm watching White Lotus. Oh, yeah. 
Um, on Amazon Prime, I'm watching a comedy, an American comedy called Mom. I don't know if nope. you've ever heard of it. There's like seven series. I just can't, you know when you come across something, mm. you're like, there's seven seasons. Is that this great? Will, that's great. Right. <laughs> you know, because sometimes you find something, there's one season and then you're yeah. like, oh, that wasn't enough for me to binge. Yeah. Like, so it's called Mom and it's about this girl, woman. It's very, very funny. It's very comedic. Yeah. I like to watch comedy. Um, I like to watch things that are not too serious. I don't read the news in the evenings. Yeah. I am very so you, good at so you doing go that. A bit lighter, you, go get, you get lighter in the evenings. Yeah. Yeah. But I've great like I'm good at coming up with ideas naturally where they don't kind of yeah. take too much of my energy. We're going in to do uh, I'm going after Christmas I'm working with a theatre maker and we're spending twenty six weeks in Mount Jai doing theatre of the oppressed. So examining power and stuff and mm. that helps me in my job because uh, I keep staying as close as I can to the people who I care about and the mm. change I'm trying to make and that helps fuel me then when I'm in the Oireachtas. Mm. And I think once I can keep trying to do those two things where I'm in the community and I'm in the Oireachtas, um, that helps me, mm. I suppose, to kind of stay um, energised. And um, what about your sobriety? Um, yes. I'm, I mean, I, haven't, I don't even know, so I don't yeah. even know. Like, are you a completely sober person? No, no. no. So I stopped using drugs for mm. a long time, mm. didn't drink very often. Mm. So alcohol was never really uh, an, an issue, issue for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I spent a couple of years here and there not drinking, but just mm. because I had no interest in drinking. So after a few years of kind of moving away from what was really intense, chaotic drug use, and I'd done a lot of work on myself and stuff, I have, since then, I've used psychedelics, I've used magic mushrooms, um, I've gone away and done five MEO retreats where they take the, the, the gland of the bullfrist frog and... <laughs> You know, yeah. so I've done stuff like that, but it would only be like once a year or something. Yeah. So I don't have a regular, I don't regularly use drugs. Yeah. So years ago, the big thing would have been for not to use cocaine yeah. and that type of stuff that kind of seeps into like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And the moment you have a drink, you're like coke, drink, coke, yeah. drink, coke. They chase each and other. And the two of them actually create a torrid substance in your system, which a lot of people wouldn't be aware of. It's called uh, cocamethylene or methyl. Yes, it's something I'd have to check, double mm. check the, the, the medical name or the scientific name. But that creates a torrid substance in your body so you have the coke you have the alcohol and you have the torrid substance and it's harder for your liver and your body to break down uh, the two things together so that's mm. what creates the torrid substance and that also has an imp- impact on you yeah. so when I managed to kind of move through my own hurt and pain and trauma and all that kind of stuff that I had I found that drugs actually wasn't the biggest issue for me mm. I just had gone through a lot, you know, yeah. but I managed to move out of that chaotic drug use very young, mm. which I think helped. And so, yeah, yeah. coke and yeah. coke and alcohol is really bad, is it? Really bad. Mm. Yeah, together. Yeah. And, that's and a, then a and lot of young men, so a lot of young men mm. will end up with um, issues around not being able to get erections then after having loads of sessions on coke. Mm. So then they're taking Viagra as well if mm. they, you know, if they're yeah. going home to their girlfriends yeah. or they pick someone up. Yeah. So you've won, you've won drug that's pumping blood to the heart yeah. and then you take Viagra in yeah. which is pumping blood to the heart and yeah. from the heart so you just sometimes it's yeah. like there's lots there's there's a very unhealthy relationship asking, with cocaine it's, it's asking yeah. a lot of un, it's asking a lot of unhealthy <coughs> questions of the body yeah. and asking, yeah. making the body do a lot of fairly yeah. unnatural things yeah. oh yeah one more caller um, it's a blind boy boat club say hello to him hi a blind boy hi uh, Lynn it's great to talk to you I'm presently doing essence of the bullfrog, the bulbous bull. I might not be able to communicate for much longer. Put up. I want to thank you for coming on my podcast. You are a living, walking, talking podcast. You are. Are you still there? 
Are you there? <laughs> What's my name? Blind boy. Good, I forgot. <laughs> the bullfrog made me forget. <laughs> Mind yourself. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. See you. Bye. <laughs> Ah, blind boy. He often comes. He often. He often um, invades my podcast. Brilliant character, isn't he? He is. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I, I really, very much enjoyed. Ah, it. no, I really enjoyed the Thank conversation. You. Thanks, Mario. My big thanks to Senator Lynn Ruan for coming in um, to the Go Loud buildings and chatting with me on my podcast. And I really had fun with her. And uh, she has a really hearty laugh as well. Uh, she knows how to laugh, and I love that in people. Um, so mind yourself, take care. Um, this is the la- or this is the second last episode um, before Christmas. So um, and we hope to put out a couple of um, best ofs compilations and some comedy compilations um, during the Christmas period. Um, so if you are not listening to me again, I want to wish you a really really happy Christmas. I hope um, the new year brings you everything um, that you desire and that you have a restful and peaceful break. Um, until and over the new year. Take care. See you in the new year. Bye-bye.